It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Casey. Last week we did a double release. In Podcast 29, we looked at three shows featuring school plays. And then in Podcast 30, we had some winter fun while dissecting three winter-themed episodes. We ran two Twitter polls last week, one for each episode. In the first, we asked which school play was best. Macbeth in Space from Jimmy Neutron was the winner, and I'm sure Casey will I'm not mad. G- a couple of thoughts about this one. Guys, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Casey, I mean, I think I think you have to understand, though, I mean, which one would be more entertaining to see? Some nine-year-olds doing a pretty decent portrayal of Romeo and Juliet, or some people causing a real tornado, you know? You just convinced me. <laughs> I, Easy enough. I wasn't ex- but yeah, so Hold on. The other two plays were way behind. Macbeth in Space got 68% of the vote. And we, I guess we know nothing about Mambo and the Cat Skills from uh, Ginger, too. We know there's one romance scene, and that's about it. Right. Well, you know what? You did just talk me into it. I would pay to see those theatrics, those those uh, those high-tech elements done by kids. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> the disappointment is gone. This is not round two of preschool days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in our second Twitter poll with... Uh, a less controversial result. We asked what your favorite winter activity shown in the three episodes was. You guys selected sledding, a perfectly normal, reasonable, and rational Twitter poll selection. Which, as we have realized, is exactly what they did with the first poll too, Casey. <laughs> I guess that's true. But I was mostly hinting at preschool days, which you had already gotten to. We got a little derailed when you convinced me that this pick was acceptable. Um, it is in spite of the theatrical nature of the actual show, though, which I do so very, uh, bitterly, but I, I acknowledge that Macbeth in Space would be entertaining, and sledding is delightful. I've been doing it on the golf course behind my house the last three days. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually been this year. I haven't been in a couple of years, I think. I know I, I've gone within my college lifetime, but I'm not sure... How recently that I think it's great. All of those are great. For those of you that don't have snow in your life, I'm sorry. But if you ever come to a place of snow, sledding, put a top of the list. Yeah, and also I'm not that sorry if you don't have snow, because by February, I will want your life. That's also fair. We've got a great episode today with some holiday-themed episodes. So last week was winter-themed, and now we're getting into specifically holiday-themed episodes. Uh, and we will specifically be looking at uh, episodes from Spongebob, Rugrats, and Hey Arnold. Three classic, very important Nicktoon episodes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Now let's get started. From the Nicktoon Animation Studio in Hollywood. Hollywood, 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 Hollywood. And in this episode, Sandy tells Spongebob about Christmas traditions, and then he tells everybody in Bikini Bottom about Christmas. This one starts out amazingly. We've got what seems like, no, it doesn't even seem like a normal episode, other than the fact that we've got the nice framed pirate 
chilling there. He's got a wreath around him, mm-hmm. maybe even lights too. And he says, "Ready for Christmas, kids? <laughs> Amazing! You're already pumped." Absolutely, this episode—it's one of the classics. It's like you just feel like you're a kid again if you're not, and if you are a kid, you continue feeling like a kid. But it's even better <laughs> because yeah. you're watching the SpongeBob Christmas special. And the theme song is like choral. It's like this women's choir, and it's really fun. And then they sing SpongeBob Christmas Special at the end. Right, Ash- I think it really screams Christmas at you in a over the top and amazing way. Really cool idea of them to it's, redo the whole theme for this. You probably put a lot of time and effort into this special, and it it shows. And yeah, so we agree on that. It's oh, it's warm and fuzzy. We like the intro. Blah blah blah. Of course. It's time to argue a little bit, Ashley. Oh, it's time. I hate Patchy the Pirate, and I have no disrespect for Tom Kenny. I think he's brilliant. He's one of the best at what he does. It's not his fault. It's just a garbage concept. I have always liked him. I don't know. I don't know if it's just the nostalgia for me now. Like, I don't know if I can really back it as high-quality storytelling, but I just remember I would get excited. Maybe, maybe too, it's just because when Patchy was there, and it was a special episode, True. you know what I mean? Like, Patchy meant something good was coming. I guess that's where my mind was. I don't know. Like, again, I don't, I don't, I think there's, like, bits and pieces of the bits that I still find funny, that I still find kind of interesting. I do not think that he's complete trash. Why like does- some people here. I understand what you're getting at in terms of the episodes around Patchy are usually great. The Christmas, I'll give it, okay, this episode, it sort of makes sense. It's a Christmas special. You usually have a narrator with a book or something. I get it. But why does SpongeBob SquarePants need a framing device? Like, it's already SpongeBob. It, it's enough as it is. I just, I don't know. I've always felt like it was to kind of emphasize it and it would get me pumped up. I don't know. I don't know if it's like he's there to remind you of the excitement that is to come. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or like in the, the Lost episode. Oh, that is good. Yeah, that, that whole setup. That's beautiful. Well, the Lost episode, you do need Patch- Patchy. That I will concede, but... Oh, I don't know. It's and there are some funny jokes. I'll give it that. Like the and this he's reading fan mail and he goes, "This letter comes from," and then a voiceover comes on name and address withheld. Like that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, I always hated Polly. I'll give you that one. Polly's the worst. The parrot that that can go. I love watching Polly's body fall off because it's like, yes, die. <laughs> <laughs> a little over the top, but so, but. No, Polly's annoying. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've always just liked Patsy. I have a soft spot in my heart for him, but and again, it's fine. Tom Kenny does a brilliant um, job playing him. He's energetic. He's exactly what it needs to be, but, like, why? Anyway, we get to the real episode, and it's just as lovely as I remember. Yeah, we, we start out with a, a classic moment of Spongebob about to do some karate up on Sandy. And he's sneaking up while she is prepping for Christmas. And she has lights all up on her tree. She turns them on. SpongeBob thinks it's on a fire. She's panicking, runs on in there. And it's it's this great kind of moment of Sandy getting to explain what Christmas is. And apparently, at this point, Bikini Bottom had never heard of Christmas. Which I guess is also an interesting concept to just to think about the sort of 
cultural distinction between land and water, right? I don't know. Yeah, there's always the the question of the physics of SpongeBob. I would love some PhD student to like write a thesis on the physics of SpongeBob because there are a lot of questions. Um, it has rules, but the rules are unclear. Anyway, the uh, Sandy mentions Christmas. He goes in to put out her lights, blah, blah, blah. And he says, um, she says, you, do you know, don't you know about Christmas, Spongebob? And he goes, is she a friend from Texas? And I love that Spongebob assumes Christmas is a girl. It just cracks me up. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't Christmas be a girl? Is it La Dad, right? That's true, but also Christ. Not that well, Spongebob... Well, ridiculous. No. <laughs> I was ready to, like, debate you on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, I was going to say, I mean, it's not like nouns are inherently gendered and then I remember in other languages. Yes, indeed they are. Um, I have no clue in German. Those are the only two languages I have any sort of a standing in. But... Let's do another girl power episode and make it all about Christmas. <laughs> yes, please. Actually, guys, this is girl power. Take two. It's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it was this episode the whole time. Anyway. Back to uh, the normal. Is there a normal thing? Really? Well, what I love about what happens next is, is it Patchy that narrates? Yeah. Patchy yeah. starts saying, and then Sandy went on to tell SpongeBob. Patchy, the greatest narrator ever. Oh, my God. Better than the French narrator? You blaspheme. Okay, no, you blaspheme. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, uh, Patchy goes, and Sandy, uh, told Spongebob the story of Christmas, and as he's saying this, she is, like, wildly gesturing, and it's awesome. She, she's, like, jabbering her mouth with her hands. <laughs> I just love that bit. Yeah, there's, like, no way that anything that she's doing is making any sense with what his <laughs> overlay is saying either, yeah. but all that matters is, at the end of the day, Spongebob knows a lot about Christmas, and he decides to share it with all of his friends. And he brings in the fact that, um, and everyone pretends to like the fruitcake. I'm going to also say, I have never once pretended to like fruitcake. We never have fruitcake at my family Christmas. I had it, I think, once or twice in my lifetime, and I never did it again. Yeah, it's okay. It's whatever. It's but very not good, I would say. Like, it's just not good. I'd say aggressively mediocre is yeah. the right description. I, I don't know why it became a thing. Like, why? Yeah. I don't know. It's just... Yeah. Maybe some of you guys love fruitcake, and you're keeping the tradition alive, and so be it. Anyway, we SpongeBob teaches them how to write letters to Santa, and they, there's a whole bit about that. And then SpongeBob launches their messages in a bottle to the surface, just, you know, assuming Santa will get it. And uh, Patrick wishes for another piece of paper after he repeatedly is writing like an idiot and keeps ripping his paper. <laughs> so, I don't even know how to explain this, but he's like holding his pencil below the piece of paper and, and moving the paper upwards towards it. But he's like holding the paper in a way that like it's pressing down on that, right? He's so, moving the paper. If you've seen this episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This yeah. totally makes sense. And he's just continuously tearing the paper in half. I just love the image of Santa receiving a letter of a ripped up piece of paper that's unintelligible that meant to say he would like another piece of paper. <laughs> Such a Patrick thing to do. And we, you know, we, we hear various villager wishes 
I also think I just call them villagers because of my <laughs> Animal Crossing obsession. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you, uh, you, need, you need a break. I'm being like a villager right now and saying, hey, Ashley, you should really turn off the DS. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did, like, at some point today, I was, like, thinking about my life, and I was like, what if I become, and I, like, closed it, <laughs> put it down. It's when, you see oh, your, it's when you see your face reflected back at you in the darkness of the 3DS screen, and you, you have a moment of self-analysis, like, what have I become? This is not, this is not the Animal Crossing addict podcast though so so we get to the song and i just had a revelation about this song this time squidward says looks like someone felled my own co- my old cor- coral tree i always thought he said killed but it's definitely felled right i thought it was killed my whole life too i did you re-listen to it to double check that uh, i'm googling right now you do uh it is felled. I heard it right. I, I, when you said it, it made sense to me that it should be felled rather than killed, but, like, right. definitely ever thought about it. Also, what bummed me out about this song is that it's really bad. <laughs> the song is great. Like, I love it, and it is great, but if you, oh, listen, to the, if you listen to the lyrics, it's bad. Like, it's not good writing. <laughs> I think I just, like, never really cared about the words. No. More so just, like, it's the spirit. Feel- yeah. You feel the preparations that they're putting in. They're putting these jellyfish that are, like, lighting up all on the tree. I should so, I should correct the record. It's really only Squidward's verse that is, like, aggressively bad. It, it's, like, so over the... It's, like, too over the top and not in a way that's right for Spongebob. But we get the classic Mr. Krabs falsetto moment, which I was reading some trivia facts about this episode, and he was... It wasn't the voice of Mr. Krabs on that because he couldn't actually hit the notes. You know, that makes sense. That that would that would be a thing that would happen, honestly. Uh-huh. It's pretty high falsetto, I think. I don't know enough about music. Very first Christmas to me. It's higher than that, but... Uh... Oh, can we talk about Spongebob changing the melody? Absolutely not. So... I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. We have a this, second this actually, song. This is one of those moments that I actually started writing, and I think this might have, too, been just us watching slightly different, but, like, I started watching a musical complaint before Casey. That's true, and it, that's so funny that it always bothered both of us. So basically, SpongeBob gets them in the Santa mood, and, and they start singing, "Santa's coming tonight, tonight under the tree." Then we fast forward to like the middle of the night and or the morning. They they sang all night. Santa didn't show up, and they're all going, "Santa's coming!" And SpongeBob's like, "No, come on, guys! Santa's coming tonight, tonight! Santa's coming tonight!" And he changes the melody for no reason. He's been singing it for like twelve hours, so maybe pitch means nothing to him anymore. That could be it. I guess, but it, it's like consistently off in a weird way. Yeah, it's like the direction is going the opposite that it should be for every interval, and it's. It's irritating. We need to get Tom Kenny on the podcast and ask why he did that. Honestly, Tom Kenny, he's going to be our next guest star for sure. Could you imagine? He's right up on our list. But I, I don't know, and that bothered me as a kid too. I remember like, because I was ready for him to sing the right note, and then he just didn't. And I remember every time I was like, why? Why is this happening? Yeah. All right, moving, really moving forward, because okay. we could talk about this all day. Let's get to the donkey moment. Oh, this is, this is gold. So Squidward, being the Squidward that he is, is super excited. Squidward's been talking trash about this the whole time, right? Doesn't write a letter to Santa, all that jazz. And he is 
so excited that Santa didn't come. And he comes out and he starts gloating about it. He, like, takes a picture of SpongeBob crying, and he is just being the worst. The straight-up worst about it. And as he's doing it, he's, like, he's, like, shaking his butt in front of SpongeBob's face and stuff. And we just see a donkey with, like, a loud, like, hee-haw noise playing slowly fade in and fade out on the screen, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's so great, and the butt slap is great, too. He's just so smug. And then Spongebob has this pathetic meltdown. I made it so you wouldn't feel left out when Santa came. His face is so miserable. Yeah, and he gives him this present, ends up being this meticulously uh, carved clarinet. This gorgeous-sounding yeah. wood clarinet, yeah. And Squidward again, he goes, he's like, I just feel like such a... And then the donkey comes back <laughs> on the screen. Amazing. Then we have the... Santa! That that unforgettable moment when... Oh, it's drawn out, too. Uh, it's, it's like three times longer than that. Yeah, so basically Squidward feels bad. He dresses up as Santa, which... How does he have a Santa outfit when they just found out about Christmas? Well, uh, these well, are the okay, questions. Maybe, maybe he just likes wearing that outfit and it happens to look like Santa. <laughs> That's true. That's just kind of style. Squidward's not the most stylish man, okay? Or he plays Animal Crossing and he has that set, the clothing well, set. We're not going back to this, Casey. I can't talk about this right now. That's I will it. relapse. It's infiltrating everything I do. Um, <laughs> A lot of our fan base plays Animal Crossing, so they get it. They're along for this ride. And if you don't, we did this specifically to spite you, so feel bad. <laughs> the worst. I am the worst. I'm sorry. I love you all. Basically, um, though, Squidward ends up getting, like, every single person in town comes to his house, and they all think he's really Santa, and he gives away just everything he owns. And right after that happens, we see him getting a letter. He opens it up, and it is from Santa himself, thanking him for all of his hard work. And we see the craziest Santa who has ever been, just like dancing around on his sleigh, losing it, and it's amazing. It's so. It just gets weirder. My favorite thing that he does is the finger guns at the screen. It's like you, yeah, you. <laughs> And then Squidward says, yep, I'm insane, plays a beautiful clarinet solo to end out the episode. And then we have, like, three endings. We have that, then we have Patchy playing with a pirate ship with Spongebob and Patrick on it, and then someone on set says, Patchy, and then he freaks out. And I never got that that was someone, like, getting him to start acting. So, like, everything else was just how Patchy acts. <laughs> Which is also good times. I love me a little, uh... Oh, that's not quite third wall breaking, right? That's like, um... Fourth wall. That? It's pretty fourth wall. Is it? Not third wall. I always say that. Because there's... Walls. It's a cube, <laughs> you know? Don't count the floor or ceiling. Yeah, I, I know how it works, Casey. <laughs> I just always say third. I don't know. I don't know why two walls would make sense to me in any If it fashion. was like a triangle stage. I feel like we <laughs> had this exact same conversation before. And then the narrator gets us out at the very end, gives us a nice heartwarming Christmas exit. 
this is, you know, it's one of the greats, Ashley. What can, what more can I say? Yeah, it, it really is. It encompasses pretty much everything that's great about SpongeBob and everything that's great about Christmas and combines them flawlessly. You feel like you're getting all the holiday greatness. You're still getting all of the jokes and all of the sort of, you know, typical characteristics of how, how SpongeBob really would act, you know, as if Christmas happened. It's not forced in any way. You just feel like you're along for the ride, and it's beautiful. I completely agree. I think we should move on to another wonderful holiday episode from Rugrats. Our second episode is from Rugrats. It's called A Rugrats Hanukkah from Season 4, Episode 1. And in this one, the top Monday story of Hanukkah, while visiting a synagogue with Forrest, who settles a long-standing feud. You know, I don't think I'd ever seen this episode before this. If I had, I was very young. I definitely did, and I remember it because I knew virtually nothing about Hanukkah at the point that I saw it, and I remember it actually being pretty educational and <laughs> enlightened me a bit on what it's all about. Totally, and it's it's just, it's so good. It's funny, it's got that cute Rugrats feel of classic baby misunderstandings, and it's very educational. Yeah, and I, I just want to give them some props for doing a Hanukkah episode, and really, it doesn't feel like they're doing it just to force in the extra holidays. You know what I mean? It, it, it feels natural. It doesn't feel like they're like, hey guys, look, we can do Hanukkah too, like, because I feel like that's kind of what Hanukkah gets a lot of the time, right? Right, yeah. Like, and... like people will be like, oh, Merry Christmas, or we're having Hanukkah, I guess, if that's your thing. But, like, this one felt like it truly was a standalone episode that wanted to focus on it. And yeah. I, I find that cool about Rugrats in general is that they have these kind of predominant, this predominant Jewish family that is not at all shy about it, not at all shy about their traditions, and I felt like this was just a great episode of bringing that together. It really is, and I'm glad that, you know, they make an authentic attempt at explaining Hanukkah and including it in the holiday season, unlike us, who just kind of shoehorn it in between two Christmas episodes, so... That is true, and to (laughs) to be fair, um, I'm not Jewish, again, I don't know a lot about it, so I'm sure there's some inaccuracies and things, and obviously a lot of shortenings of things that, you know, I, I think it's cool that they did it regardless. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I was just kidding about our show. Like, I'm glad we have the diversity. It's a, it's absolutely a top three holiday episode. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and um, honestly, even regardless of all of that, it shapes up to be a good episode. Yeah. I think by itself. Totally. Let's talk about it itself, though. Let's get in there. It starts out, and we have one of those scenes where we're kind of seeing the babies as um, something else, right? So we're seeing them, they're, they're being told the story, I believe, by Minka, right? Yes. Yeah, she starts, it's a voiceover, but you don't see her yet. And she's just telling the story, and she's explaining how, um, for the ancient Greeks, they had to believe in, you know, the the gods that the ancient that the Greek government told them to, more or less, and how there were uh, the Maccabees who were still 
practicing in secret Judaism, more or less. Is that an accurate statement of what it is up until here, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I just love how they include the babies in this form of storytelling. It's so engaging, and you instantly connect more with what's happening on screen than if it were just some random, real figures, you know? Yeah, and I do like that they, they keep the humor up without taking away from the storytelling. Absolutely. Like, uh, Tommy does it. a Maccabee's gotta do what a Maccabee's gotta do. So, <laughs> uh, you know, fun play on things without being, like I said, without detracting from the story itself, but it pulls you in. You're, you're excited to see what these babies are up to, as always. Yeah. And so, they're talking about the miracle of Judaism and the miracle of Hanukkah, and uh, Grandpa Boris says, he's talking about his latkes, and he says, the, is that how you say it? I'm so I ignorant. Lockies. Um, he says, the miracle is these things have clogged our people's arteries, yet we have survived. <laughs> Boris has constantly got these great lines, honestly. He's got so much sass for an old man. He does, and I, I think underestimated character truly. Uh-huh. He doesn't show up super often, but every time he does, I'm like, man, Boris, you are great. You are great. So he's, he's also going on to talk about, uh, he has this rival who's been his rival since forever, and he's talking about various things that, you know, he's been one of him in. And he says, like, I caught a cold, he caught pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> yeah, I get sick. he gets sicker. How rude. How inconsiderate. What a jerk. Really. So we have our first adorable baby moment um, of misunderstandings. And Tommy understands that Hanukkah involves candles. And he says uh, he's confused about it. So he's asking the babies, what's up with the candles? And I think Phil says, maybe it's your birthday. And he says, every night? And then I think Lil says, maybe you're all grown up now and you've got to get a job. And he says, I don't feel grown up, which is probably the most real dude same I've ever had on this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to join you in that one. Every once in a while, I realize that I'm not a child anymore. Oof. I'm like, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're clinging to our youth with this podcast. Is it sad? No, it isn't. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> they go on, and Angelica chimes on in here, and she's like, you guys... It's because of Hanukkah, and she's, like, super exaggerated on the, the flumminess. And I love how she doesn't call it the phlegm. She calls, she goes, you have to say the when you say it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to be honest, I'm not sure why she knows about this, because she wouldn't be Jewish. Right, she isn't. She keeps talking about how, like, Christmas and my Cynthia Christmas special. Yeah, she wants nothing to do with this, but she, she knows enough about it to tell them that it's Hanukkah. I think she actually literally says um, it's the thing that comes after Thanksgiving and before Christmas, and that's all it really is to her. But you know, she does it for this. Totally. So, I love it. they use all the like stereotypical over the top Jewish words too. Like Boris says, the hutzpah, like meaning the like the stones or the gall of whatever you know. Um, Oh, they also think, they also think, 
that it's the meaning of Hanukkah and not the meaning of Hanukkah, like a bully. <laughs> yeah, and they think, because I guess we don't actually see the play play out, but we know enough to know that his enemy is the king, and uh, Boris plays the, the Maccabee who's, you know, standing up for Judaism and all. And so there's an article apparently about him in the newspaper. He throws it on the ground. They see this guy, and he's, I, the name of the play is The Meaning of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And they're all convinced they've got to get this guy. This guy is out to get Boris. And he also says something like, oh, this play will be the death of me or something. And yeah. in their minds, they kind of think that, you know, it's, he's, this guy's actually out to get him. They've got to stop him. They're worried. And, you know, they go on for a while. And they, they cause some ruckus later. But most importantly, they get to the synagogue. And there's there's actually this kind of cool-looking festival going on that seems to be about, like, engaging the children in it, it almost looks like. There's, like, contests going on. There's dreidels and things. Like, it looks like it's supposed to be pretty engaging. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool part. And... They go to watch the play, and the kids all will run up on the stage to stop the meaning of Hanukkah, because they think he's actually out to get Boris, and, you know, it's just a classic misunderstanding, and... They get put in daycare. What? They get put in daycare. Yeah, they do, and uh, Angelica also got put there because of a sort of B-plot. She, there's a man in a... Dreidel costume that she ends up kicking down and he finds her again and he says I broke a shin because of you and I wasn't positive but I double checked this shin is one of the the sides of the dreidel he's not talking about his actual shin he's talking about like the part of his dreidel I just thought that was so clever and so subtle oh yeah yeah I didn't realize till you pointed that out in our notes and I couldn't stop laughing when he says it he says I broke a shin and he like points at a part of the right right and I was like that must be it that is so subtle Uh uh-huh oh man so yeah the oh and can we talk about the like C plot of this like like over-the-top actor type who prepared a monologue uh, a musical (laughs) monologue that opens with to be or Maccabee and that's really all we get to see of it. But he's, this is like, you know, this is not even community theater, right? This is some synagogue-specific play they are putting on. I'm assuming this is not like a huge, huge part of everything that this guy's taking it as seriously as anybody could. I'm sure you've seen people like that before, Casey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it never goes away. And... Right. Yeah, so that's great. We see him sing a little bit, and it's it's wonderful. And I thought it was fitting, given the recent School Plays episode we did, and Macbeth in Space winning. I mean, it was There's Hamlet, also a, but... a D-plot, maybe, or maybe this is equal to the C-plot. I don't even know. Stu wants Dee Dee to uh, feel like he's accepting, you know, her culture and everything. And so she, he's making this giant menorah float which do we even ever see it come back i don't think so i think this is like literally just left to not be relevant ever again and (laughs) he has this giant thing and he's driving over and he's like 
Oh, this traffic. I, I can't believe how slow this traffic is moving. He's just literally in a Christmas parade, and I'm pretty sure that's the last we see him the rest of this episode. Right. And yeah, it's almost the E plot, cause, or unless Angelica was the B plot that you said originally. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. There's a lot of plots yeah. that are going Angelica is, I don't remember what I called what. <laughs> her, her id, is that what it is? The thing that drives her is um, to watch her Cynthia Christmas special, and she will find a TV. That is her goal, <laughs> her mission. And, and she ultimately does. She does and doesn't, you know. Yeah, um, she misses a lot of it. She misses a lot of it, and she gets the babies to... Well, the babies decided the best way to stop a meanie is obviously to get them to nap, which is pretty much... You know, when I am feeling grumpy, I will say, if I take a nap, a lot of times I do feel better. Totally. Even as an adult. Like, there are some times where I'm realizing, I'm like... I'm going to get a little on edge. Mm-hmm. I probably need to sleep a little bit, and it's probably going to be better. So it's not even the worst idea ever. Um, but Angelica says, well, you know what always gets people to sleep is TV. Old people always fall asleep in front of the TV. Also, happens a lot. Not that crazy. <laughs> yeah. So she gets them to go for the TV and get it, and then she decides to steal it. But she ends up running backstage and... She drops it, and it breaks, and the meanie, so to speak, of Hanukkah comes backstage, and he, we learned from earlier, doesn't have any kids. He runs a successful business instead, and that's kind of another one of his and Boris's sort of conflicts there. So you can feel him struggling to deal with these kids. He, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what the right action to take is. You know, he's... Just, he's got these crying kids, these kids who are, you know, giving him a lot of stress, and he's, he's overwhelmed, clearly. Yeah, and it, but that paves the way to sort of a very tender moment, um, which, I don't know, is there anything in between this and sort of the button of the episode? I don't think so. I think, I think that's about what leads up to it, right? But I think, oh, you know what, there, there is a brief moment. I think slightly before this, where um, the reason that he runs off, the guy who was playing the king, who's the enemy, is that they get in a discussion, Boris and him, and he's like, oh, well, you've always had your business, so you never had to deal with kids like I did, and he basically admits that he just wasn't able, for whatever reason, to have kids, but he says something like, God bless like his wife's name, but she was never able to bless me with children. And so, again, we don't know all the details, but we know now that there's kind of this double envy going on, which I feel like happens a lot in probably both in life, but also in shows where it's like, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice humanizing moment, and he basically ends up explaining... Hanukkah to the babies who somehow understand even though it's unclear when they understand when they don't the adults but he says the menorah is like a nightlight for our people and I just love that that metaphor yeah it's, again I, and I you have this tenderness of him really wanting to keep his culture alive right and mm-hmm. he really wants to share the story and he wants it to be accessible and understandable for the babies to understand and 
I just feel like it's this really touching moment where he, you know, despite whatever conflicts him and Boris have had and despite whatever issues he might have, he still cares about this and you feel his passion really come through with that and it's touching. And we just have all the babies. You can tell they're really into the story too. They're all grouping together and getting closer as they light the candles. Yeah, it's so nice. And they realize, you know, the mirable <laughs> was the meanie and Grandpa Boris getting along after all. And it's just got a great moral. It's uh, it's so uplifting to see this heritage passed on to the babies, and yeah, it's just it's just wonderful. It's just all three of these episodes are some of the best we've talked about ever. Honestly, and I'm going to say the same thing that I said in a very different way about the SpongeBob episode is that this is an episode about Hanukkah, but it is still a Rugrats episode. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like oh, we need a holiday special, quick, let's pull this together. You still mm-hmm. have the classic characters acting like they should. Angelica is still being her classic, cynical self. Um, the babies are still being as clueless as ever. They're still getting into trouble, just as always. And it, it comes across like that just as a Rugrats episode that happens to be about Hanukkah, and I love that. And the adults, of course, with their usual antics. And, yeah, just to go one of the best Rugrats episodes... Um... Really give it a watch if you haven't. It's worth the time. Agreed. Um, I think that about sums up my thoughts on this one, which yeah. means get prepped, guys, because this may be one of my favorite Christmas episodes ever from anything ever. It's the Hey Arnold Christmas episode. Our third and final episode is from Hey Arnold, entitled Arnold's Christmas. It's from Season 1, Episode 11. In this one, Arnold tries to find Mr. Wynn's daughter as he carries out his duty as Mr. Wynn's secret Santa. Meanwhile, Helga attempts to find the perfect Christmas present for Arnold. Before we say anything more, I want to say, if you haven't seen this, please, please watch it. Pause the podcast. You have to experience it. We'll, we'll, we'll give you 23 minutes of podcast silence to watch it now. And go. <laughs> We're not kidding. You have to watch this. So <laughs> truly, truly, we'll, we'll talk a bit here, but it's, there's so much going on here. And, you know, I always talk about sort of, there's a lot of ways that Hey Arnold episodes give me emotional responses, but this one... I have seen probably more than any other single Hey Arnold episode, and it still just, it gives me so many feels, you guys. Yeah, I, it opens with a classic Helga monologue, and I'll just never get tired of these. They're always so beautiful. (laughs) Like, they perfectly capture her psyche and what it's like to be in love with someone, yet constantly ridicule them. Yeah, and... Immediately before that, too, we have her grumbling about how the only thing that's important about Christmas is the presents. And I kind of felt like, you know, possibly in Helga's life, I feel like she might have some of those parents who kind of know that they're not the best and try to overcompensate on Christmas. Mm-hmm. They're definitely, you know, they, they've got money. And that's, that's kind of how I interpret her Christmas being a lot of the times. Is You're right. I hadn't thought about it that way buying her, you know, a lot of wealthy, or expensive gifts to 
kind of try to make up for it. And maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I just feel like that's probably more or less the experience he's had. Oh, yeah, totally. Then we had, so that sets up the B plot, basically. We head over to the A plot, which is Arnold in his penthouse. They're doing a secret Santa. Oscar, being the sneak that he is, puts his name on all of them, expecting to get all of the presents. Because, you know, that's going to work out. Yeah, immediately after, uh, I think it's Mr. Wynn talks to Ernie, and he's like, don't tell, but I got Oscar. And they're all like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> and, of course, that doesn't work out well. They end up remaking it, um, and Arnold ends up with Mr. Wynn. We actually don't hear much about any of the other matches, but we know that Spud, uh, Spongebob, what? <laughs> My brain. Um, Arnold has Mr. Wynn, and he's pretty conflicted. You know, and to be fair, Mr. Wynn's not a character, especially this early in the series, that we've encountered much, if at all, We've seen him around, but we don't know much about him. He has no idea what Mr. Wynn would want. And Arnold's also the kind of guy, he doesn't want to get a generic present, right? He wants it to be something heartfelt. He wants it to be something personal. But you can see that he's struggling. He just doesn't know where to go with this. And I feel like even just the fact that he is struggling shows so much about his character, right? Because some people would get somebody like that and just be like, oh, I'll get him a, I don't know, what's a generic gift you get for males? A tie? Like a Gerald? Tie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's literally what Gerald was earlier getting for every single person on his Christmas list, too. So, yeah, like a tie <laughs> or something. They would just be like, whatever, I don't care, this is Secret Santa. Let's keep going. But he's genuinely conflicted, and I feel like that's, again, that just kind of shows some of the greatness of him. Totally. And while they're doing this, uh, I have to do a quick Broadway shout-out, because that's my thing. Um, Gertie, the grandma, is playing Yankee Doodle Dandy when Grandpa tells her to hit it, and uh, a George M. Cohan song, who's basically the founder of Broadway, has nothing to do with Christmas. I was so fascinated why this is what she plays. Yeah, I think, I think it just goes around with uh, how she works in general, right? She's always saying various holiday names at random parts of the year. I think it's just kind of who she is. You're she actually, is. you're so that's right. Cool. That's so it. Man, just the tracking and the storytelling of this episode is so good. The way that the information is revealed, like Arnold is trying to get Mr. Wynn to open up about what he could want for Christmas. He ends up telling him about his, his daughter. Do you want to get into that? Should I? We, we have to. I mean, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. Again, we, this starts out with such a lighthearted scene, too. He's kind of going through different things, like, oh, do you like candy, Mr. Wood? No. Do you, are you cold? Do you need sweaters? He's like, no, I have plenty of sweaters. And he just kind of, I, I don't remember exactly the lead up, but I know that he says, you know, this time of year always makes me think of my. And we go back and we get this, only slightly different animation style, but there is this different. The background is definitely more, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what different art does, but the art style changes a little bit. It shifts a little. And we go back to what is not directly said in um, this 
episode, but is Vietnam, yes? Yes, yep. Um, pretty much heavily, heavily implied with however directly mentioning it, and he talks about how there's a war in his country, and it keeps getting closer and closer to his people, and everyone's trying to leave, and you get this hectic scene, too. Um, I'll always remember there's this vision of, like, the American flag is, like, flying, but there's, like, tears through it, and it's just, it feels like chaos, which honestly is probably an understatement from what those people were going through, but you can really feel the distress, right? These people don't know what to do. Their homes have become a war zone. It's sadly, like, a very true, very real situation that have happened, and he goes up to this helicopter that has military personnel bringing in however many people they can and they say they only have room for one more person and he's holding on to Mai, his daughter who's still an infant at this point and just hands her over to the soldier knowing that they'll take better care of her than he could ever do for her where he is he mentions too, he's like, I don't, I didn't know if I could have food for her. I didn't know if I could provide for her. And you feel this, ugh, it's, it's such a raw human struggle, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking in so many ways. This, and it's life or death. It's really life or death. And, and again, this is, this is the thing that does indeed occur. And we learned that apparently the, uh, soldier on the helicopter and he says that the soldier says that he's in Hillwood and or he's bringing her there and that's the reason that Mr. Wynn worked the rest of his life until today to get to the city but he still hasn't been able to find Mai and he's hoping that she still lives here but he hasn't seen her since the day he gave her up it's there's so much. There's so much there. Um, again, it's this life or death situation. It's him giving her up, not knowing if he'll ever see her again, not knowing if, you know, not even necessarily knowing that her life will be perfect wherever they're going to bring her, but knowing that what he has for her here isn't enough and struggling to give her up so that she can have a better life. And it's, so much, so much for this this kid's show. I remember that I definitely watched this as a kid, and I remember even then just feeling overwhelmed with the conflict mm-hmm. that that must bring in a person. Yeah, it's a lot. It's uh, And it's told so well, too, with the animation and the music. The music, I just have to give a shout-out here, as we always do to Jim Lang. Please come on the podcast. We love you. Um, he... Uh, he just underscores in that classic jazzy feel that Harold does with the all these classic Christmas songs like Old King Wenceslas and Deck the Halls and and of course he he always accompanies every moment artfully and amazingly um, and that really helps deliver the punch that this episode has. Anyway, yeah, and in these specific scenes, he has a sort of it's just a sad. Almost, it feels far off, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like, it feels, you feel the distance 
even just with it and uh, the feels, the feels. I, if you can watch this episode and just not care about any of it, I don't know if you're human. I'm sorry. And we, we reach a point that Arnold decides that he wants to try to get them back together. You know, he wants to reunite them. That's going to be his big Christmas gift. And that's basically the A-plot. And when we keep going to Helga and her B-plot is she's trying to find the perfect Christmas gift for Arnold so that he'll, you know, fall for her and all that jazz. But mm-hmm. she keeps looking at these sort of over-the-top flashy gifts that don't really speak to Arnold, but, like, are, you know, she's like, he'll be so impressed by getting a such-and-such such action figure and all that. And it's it's really, you know, she's doing it in maybe not the best way, but it is sort of sweet to see Helga, even at the beginning, thinking of him, you know? Thinking of buying a present for somebody else. Yeah, it's, uh... There, I'm gonna, okay, stay with me here. I think Helga pulls a Squidward in this episode. <laughs> because she starts out as essentially the Grinch figure. I mean, she's trying to find Arnold the best thing, but she's essentially saying Christmas is all about presents, it's all about getting the right stuff, and that's all I care about, because that's all she's ever gotten out of Christmas. Never love, never anything like that. Just her parents overcompensating for her terrible childhood. And... So not only is Arnold's story with Mr. Wynn incredibly touching, Helga's for Arnold is touching too because she ultimately makes a huge sacrifice for a little girl, which we'll get into, but her growth in this episode is so fantastic to see, and Arnold will never know what she did. Yeah, and I think that's honestly part of what makes this so amazing to me too is the personal struggle we see Helga go through and it's one of those moments where she decides to give up what she has for the benefit of somebody else and yeah I, I do see the parallels between this and Squidward's actions as well you know he gives up everything in his house obviously that episode as a whole is a little bit more lighthearted, a little less serious but definitely definitely similarities there yeah, and so um, the way that the plot sort of rolls out is that uh, Arnold and Gerald go to this office where there's private investigators and such and they find one lone man working in his office and they try to ask him to try to help find Mai and he's like I just want to go home I don't want to deal with this it could take days to find her it's Christmas Eve they offer to do his Christmas shopping for him. And he's like, he says something along the lines of like, oh, am I really going to let some nine-year-old kids have my 300 bucks? <laughs> and he realizes, I guess, you know, he has to work all night anyways. He needs his Christmas shopping done. For whatever reason, he caves. He decides to trust these three, these uh, nine-year-old kids. These 300-year-old kids. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say three-year-old kids for the record. Trusting nine, $9 with 300-year-old kids. <laughs> That's what sounds. <laughs> you and your sass. But, but this is where 
too, we get a lot of that jazzy Christmas music, and we see them just going store to store, checking everything off the list. And they reach this last item, which ends up being where everything connects, but everything comes down to they need to find these Nancy Simone snow boots, which I think is referenced at the beginning of the episode too. All we know about them is that they are sold out everywhere. They're the, the hot ticket item. Yeah, Lord knows here. why. I mean, there's always something, though, you know? Yeah. Like, um... It's not like they're moon shoes or anything, though. No, apparently, there's something like these hatch toys, I think they're called. My mom, uh, she teaches elementary school. She said that, like, her kids have been, like, going crazy about it. People are selling these, like, $40 <laughs> toys for, like, $200 online right now. Jeez. I haven't heard so, of them. That's what Nancy Simone boots are. Right. This, this episode. They are, like, the need-to-have item. They're on this list. And they go to the store, and they say, oh, we, we'd like some Nancy Simone snow boots, please. And the clerk says, oh, yeah, just, just a second. Brings out, like three other clerks and is like, yeah, can you, can you repeat what you just said you wanted? And Arnold's like, oh, I, I want some Nancy Simone snow boots. They all just start laughing at him. It's like, so rude. They, well, first he says... a nine-year-old kid, man. First he says, hold on, let me get some extra help, so he goes to get the other clerks, and then they all laugh at him. Yeah, it's... It's just so, so out of hand, and they, yeah. they see... Again, we get this quick montage. The music gets more hectic than before, and we see them go place to place, desperate, desperate for these snow boots. They are nowhere to be found. They're convinced there's none left in the city. They go back to the PI. They say, hey, sorry, we got everything else. We could not get these Nancy Simone snow boots. And the guy says, well, no deal. No boots, no deal. I'm, that's, that's just... That's not going to work, you know. I needed those boots. Sorry, kids. And so, as luck has it, and that's why I think this intersection of the A and B plot is the most masterful that Hey Arnold ever does, Helga gets these boots that she wanted from her mom, who waited in line 18 hours at the store. I almost said online. Shoot me when that happens. I'm becoming the New Yorker that I hate. <laughs> Did you know that's a thing? Online instead of in line? You mentioned it. <laughs> Anyway, they, uh, Helga gets these boots, she's so excited, she wears them out of the house, and then immediately has the realization that she has to give them to Arnold. She, she has a great line, it might be earlier in the episode actually, when she says, not another moral dilemma. <laughs> so Helga tracks down the guy who knows where my Mr. Wynn's daughter is, and She's like, you have to take these boots, you have to, you know, help out my friend Arnold. His entire worldview is at stake. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's honestly, it's it's really touching. The way she describes him, too, says, there's this football-headed boy with a good heart but no sense of reality. That's so true, <laughs> you know? Um, Arnold, every now and then, gets a taste of reality, but I feel like, Helga's had so much of it in her life. Yeah. And, and she has to story, save again, this, she has to save Christmas for him. Yeah. Because it's, it's gone such, for her. It's such a golden hearted moment for her. And she says to um 
she was like, we can stay up all night. We can find this girl. But if you leave now, that little football headed kid will never believe in miracles again. Again, you just, it's so selfless here. She's not doing it to earn credit for it. She's not doing it so that it's the best present ever. She's doing it because she wants Arnold to stay who he is. Yep. It shows that she really does, you know, she loves who he is. And that those personality traits that to her she can't have, she still sees as a good thing. Yep. And it's it's so touching in so many ways. And we, we could talk about this for the rest of our lives, but we basically get to the wrap-up of everything, right? And we sort of see this man looking at his car, and we don't know necessarily what's going to happen beyond that, but we go into the Christmas party at the boarding house, and we we have a nice moment. Oscar opens up some coal, and then uh, we see that Mr. Wynn doesn't have a present underneath the tree. And Mr. Wynn kind of says, no, no, it's okay, it's fine. And he just sort of stares at this fireplace for a while. And you can tell he's, like, looking thoughtfully. We hear the doorbell ring. And Grandpa says something like, oh, it's probably some Yuletide pranksters. And there's just this moment, the music builds up. Mr. Wynn turns around and Mai is there and uh, it's just so much. It's so much. You you can hear it too in his voice, the way he, his voice almost cracks a little bit. Like, it's like, I can't believe it. And you could hear him like tearfully coming up, hugging her. I am not going to lie. I teared up when I watched it this year. I tear up when I watch it every year. It's just so much behind, you know, what, what he went through, what Helga went through, what Arnold went through, what all of this building up to them finally being together again. It's too much. <sighs> yeah, it's... I don't have much more to contribute than that. You clearly... You you know this episode in and out, and... Yeah. it It's Hey Arnold at its best. That's all I have to say. I just want to throw out the last last thing is we sort of zoom out in the outside of her house, of his house, and we see Helga sitting there as she just whispers, Merry Christmas, Arnold. And that takes us out. And again, she doesn't take credit for it. And we just, it's this, there's so much good heartedness. I, I'm sorry, I, I keep going on, but there's just so many, there's so many aspects to this that make it what it is. There's Helga wanting to keep Arnold's worldview alive. There's Arnold trying to keep up his standard of these good-hearted gifts. There's Mr. Wynn having another Christmas where he thinks it's just going to be the same. And uh, I just can't. I just yeah. can't, you guys. Everything it's changes. Not. His life is forever changed now, and it's all because of Arnold and by proxy because of Helga. They're a team in this, but he'll never know. Yeah, I, I will say, and I, I could be wrong on this, I don't know that Mai ever shows up again. Because this is season one, right? So I feel like it's not re-referenced in episodes, which is, you know, that's fine. But I guess I wish I could see a little bit more of how their lives would, right. you know, it's unfold a, It's also worth noting... I'm sure there's... It's worth noting how strong this episode is so early in its syndication. 
Oh, absolutely. This I, is I the eleventh episode. Either. Yeah. But Jeff, if you didn't watch it when we told you to watch it, which shame on you. Mm-hmm. Please watch it now. That would be the best. I would appreciate it. Yeah, it's required viewing. That's it all looks I have like to say. She's never shown in another episode, but she is referenced in a couple of later episodes, at least briefly. That's probably right. Like, they could have used her, but I it didn't need to become a focus. It's about the reunion. That's valid, as well. But, yeah, it's magical. It's the joy of Christmas, but it's also incredibly real. It's it's cynical, and then it's optimistic. It has It has colors of everything. The music is great. It's one of it's Helga at her best. It's Arnold at his best. It's Oscar at not even his worst because he's so scummy. <laughs> and it's it's everything you've ever wanted in a Christmas episode. It's more than anything you ever wanted in a Hey Arnold episode. So many amazing things. I'm going to stop because I I'm going to keep on going for years because now it is time for a much less lighthearted moment and a much more horrible thing to occur. <sighs> And that means it's time for trivia. And a game point trivia for me. We'll see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Potentially. (laughs) So here are the three possible scenarios here. For four. Um, If I get trivia right, I win no matter what. If I get it wrong, I don't necessarily win, but I could if Ashley also gets it wrong. Um, There's really only three possibilities. Yeah. Because if you get it right, it doesn't matter what happens to me. That's true. Oh, and you ask first. So basically, the score is 10 to 8. We have two more rounds of trivia left. And... Yeah, I feel right now pretty much like uh, that episode of Spongebob where they're they're playing eels and escalators and Patrick's like, and if you get eels again, you lose. That's where I'm at, guys. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, okay, so Ashley, you are asking me first. The score is ten to eight, and whoever has the most at the end of twenty sixteen is the winner. If I get this right, that will certainly be me. Indeed. Here we go. Alright, I decided to uh sort of take take a little bit from you on this one in that this is a visual question. Um, this is about the Hey Arnold theme song. And throughout that, we, we sort of see these groupings, right? And towards the end, there's the groups of, there's a group of males and a group of females walking towards each other, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. So, at Towards the end, when they're walking towards each other, it begins as six people on each side. But in the final frames, it drops to four only. Which of these characters appears in the group of six people, but then disappears for the group of four? Mm, So there are two of them, but only one will be in the answer? Hmm? There are two who drop out, right? There's four total who drop out. Two girls, two boys. But it goes from six to four in each right. group. There's two groups of six. And Okay, got it. 
Roof drops to four. All right, let's hear the so options. Total dropping to eight total. You, you follow? Yep. Okay. There's the girls and the boys. Yep. And I, I've got them kind of mixed in here. Okay. So, is it A, Phoebe, B, Stinky, C, Sid, or D, Nadine? I'm going to stick with Sid and Stinky, or not. I know it's probably... Oh, I'm going to say Phoebe drops out. Final answer? I don't know. She shouldn't drop out, but I feel like she does, so I'm going to say yes. That is incorrect. Actually, Sid drops out in the final group of four. What? Yeah, it ends up, it ends up being Harold... Gerald, Arnold, and Stinky, of all people, oh, remain with them. I guess that makes sense. And I thought it was weird that Nadine stuck in the group before, because I literally couldn't come up with her name when I first saw <laughs> the image. My my immediate reaction, I was like, I was like, oh, so there's there's uh, Helga, there's Phoebe, there's Rhonda, and there's that girl. Nadine, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's good in the part she's featured in. You know... I don't know why I picked Phoebe. I think she's just so forgettable that I was like, maybe she wasn't there. <laughs> Sid dropping out is pretty surprising because he's definitely a larger character than Nadine. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to pick Phoebe or Nadine. I had no idea it was Sid. Yeah, I, I felt like it was pretty tricky when I was looking at it because I know that I've always noticed that uh, they drop out. We also do have Sheena is in there who drops out and uh, Eugene drops out as well, as well as Ruth on the female side. Is, Those there's, are the, there's the, no, other, the other one seemed a little more fringe, but Sid dropping out surprised me as well. And there's no Lila in there? Uh, no, she, I think she didn't show up until after Ruth kind of fades out, which is also weird. Ruth, I'm pretty sure, doesn't even... I, I'm pretty sure once Lila is a thing, Ruth never mm -hmm. shows up again, but I think Ruth stays in the theme song forever. And Rhonda's there, like, the whole time. Cool. Well, all right. So you are still alive. That means that means there's a chance, kids. That means there's a chance. <laughs> so Ashley has to get this right to make it 10 to 9, which means I would have to get next week wrong. You would have to get it right to send it into a tiebreaker. These are very possible outcomes. So let's get to it. Here's my question. Which Nicktoon is the only one to have its own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Is it A, Spongebob? B, Fairly Odd Parents, C, Hey Arnold, or D, Rugrats? My immediate thought was, it's got to be Spongebob. This is your, es before, this is your eels and escalators moment, Ashley. I know, hold on, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking out loud. This isn't any answers. Of course. Like, before you listed them, I was like, Spongebob is a big deal. It's had multiple major motion pictures and this all went through my head in the less than one second before you started listing options <laughs> <laughs> but my thought is I, I would be shocked if hey arnold is on there it's not to pay I, I i would just be very surprised but rugrats also ran a very long time did have motion major motion pictures that were a very big deal as well, as well as the spinoffs. 
I don't actually know like what qualifies something to get a star. It's I'm gonna stick with my gut and say SpongeBob. Final answer. Final answer. Escalators. Eels. Ashley, I'm sorry. It was Rugrats. Dang it. Rough. That's okay. That one, we kind of date ourselves because Rugrats was a phenomenon. Think like Macy's Day Parade. Oh, no. I mean, I said, I knew, when you said Rugrats, I did start to second-guess my SpongeBob yeah. answer. But again, I just didn't, I didn't know, because I, again, I, I did remember Rugrats in Paris was in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Of course, yeah, it, was it had more movies so in theaters like than SpongeBob. SpongeBob had more of a hype for it. Yeah, I would have guessed that too. I was surprised it doesn't have a star. It's like the concept of the Rugrats themselves are the ones with a star. Like Bugs Bunny has a star. Characters have stars. It's like the babies, not the show. I guess that's fair. Um, even though Does I framed it. Have nope, it's the only Nicktoon. That has like any star whatsoever? Yep. What? I don't know what goes into that. There's only well, ten, there's only like ten fictional ones. Here's my, my eels moment, guys. Well, that's it. So do we want to have trivia next week? You know, I mean, like, if we... Uh, if, I feel like no is the answer to that. I don't want to feel like I'm moving the goalposts, but what if we just do two trivia next week and give you a chance for, like, a conciliatory prize? Yeah, I'm considering that, but, like, then I'm just going to feel worse if it doesn't happen. Yeah. I want New Year's to be all about the... the happiness and cheer. Yeah, so we'll call it. I am the Trivia 2016 King. It was well fought. It was hard fought. And yeah, it's a I bummer just, that it ends on double losses. You know, it's, it's okay. I And I feel like on a decent number of these two, I have been between the right answer and the wrong answer. Totally. And, you know, that's just kind of how this goes. Um, yeah, I was you know, way I'm off glad today. that my last question was a good stumper. I feel good. That was a good one. Better ending at eight ten than it would at you know eight eleven, right? So it goes. Um, we haven't decided fully what this means. I mean, I'm going to get Casey something as like a congratulations, you won prize. Something related to what? Well, Casey, what's your favorite Nicktoon? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> It, You've got some time to think about that one. It all depends if whether we count Avatar The Last Airbender or not. I feel like for the sake of this show, we probably shouldn't. Because like, I should get you something that's kind of simultaneously FNN related, I think. Yeah, then it's Hey Arnold or Spongebob. In terms of memorabilia, I'd probably rather have Spongebob memorabilia. You know, I could probably get you something from each, right? Yeah, we'll discuss it. But thank you guys for sticking with us through trivia, through these, you know however many rounds we did it for. It was a ton of fun, and I can't wait for 2017. Yeah, 2017, don't worry, guys. I'll make the comeback. <laughs> I just needed a longer set of data. That's all the problem is. You know what, Ashley? I think we didn't even need to do trivia when I won the quote off. I think it was written in the stars from then on, so <laughs> this was a formality. <laughs> really no hard feelings. Um, life goes on. Coming up next, we've got our conclusion with our fun fact, our Twitter poll, and our preview for next week. Our 
fun fact this week is related to our favorite character, obviously mine and Casey's included, favorite character of any of these episodes we talked about today, Patsy the Pirate. Uh. <laughs> Christmas Who is actually his very first appearance, which I found to be interesting. I thought it would be one where it makes a little bit more sense for him to be there, but uh, this was, indeed, this is his first appearance in the series. Many more to come, and we are all thankful for it. Indeed. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> Our Twitter poll, which can be found at FNN underscore podcast, for this week is who deserves Cole the most, based on their year, not these specific episodes, Squidward, Angelica, or Helga? This is a tough question. Yeah, I think I think for various reasons they all do and don't. Mm-hmm. Both were I, all redeemable, but all pretty awful. Yeah, all, all definitely... I think there are arguments for why they should and should not receive Cole. So I'm actually really interested. I think these are three well-known kind of, you know, Scrooges. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested to see which one you guys think is not even necessarily the worst, but most deserving of Cole. (laughs) Uh, Next week, we will be doing a 2016 recap. We will be recapping some of our favorite episodes that we've talked about on the show, some other favorites throughout uh, just our overall recapping what we've become as a podcast probably some feels in there too you guys and we'll have some great countdowns for you getting all pumped up for the end of the year can't believe it's already here yeah i'm so excited for this episode i next week i don't think i've been more excited for an fnn podcast episode i've got my list ready i think it's a good one i can't wait to see what yours is ashley and thank you guys as always for tuning in and we'll see you next time Thank you.